0: Some of y'all might know that Frosty and I, we used to be youth pastors ourselves. So we love Oxygen Youth. We used to be the youth pastors out at our botany campus for over four years and he was there even longer than that. And there was this time when we decided we'd take a group of all of our youth staff and interns. We had quite a big team. And we were going to fly down to Wellington for our Elam Youth Pastors National Gathering. And it was going to be quite fun. And so we were doing that, training, doing all the things you should be doing on that gathering. But then there was also a rugby game that Frosty decided he had to be at. And so he convinced everybody else, you guys, we got to go to this rugby game. Cheap tickets. Let's go. My team is playing. Now, you might be thinking, were the Auckland Blues playing? No, 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 no. Since he was a young boy, his team has always been the Hurricanes and he's proud of it. He might be the only one in the room, but he's still proud of his team. And so the Hurricanes were playing, and they were playing against the Crusaders. And so we decided we'd all go to this game. There was 14 of us that went out to this game together. And when we got there, we realized there's different types of people in our group. And there were a number of people that they just didn't know where to stand. They didn't know who to support, and so Nathan, who was our assistant youth pastor at the time, he decided just to spite Frosty, he was gonna cheer on the opposing team, the Crusaders. Now, Nathan had, (laughs) oh, you've got an opposing one back there. (laughs) But Nathan, he had no idea what was happening in the game. He's not a rugby boy, he had no idea what was happening, but when the Crusaders fans chapped, chapped, clapped and cheered, that's the new word, (laughs) When they chapped, so did Nathan. And he had no idea what was happening, but it was working well for him in the first half because the Crusaders were ahead. And so he would cheer and he'd look over at Frosty, but, (laughs) but then the Hurricanes started to pull through. And Frosty knew his team was gonna win this game. And all of a sudden it became clearer and clearer that the Hurricanes had this game in the bag. And we look over at one point, and Nathan is now cheering on the Hurricanes. He just wanted to be with the winners of the moment. And so he was so willing to easily jump the fence and switch teams just so he could side with the emotions in the stadium. He so easily switched teams. Isn't that outrageous? Are there some Nathans out here? (laughs) But Frosty stuck with his team. Frosty stuck with his team even when they were points down in the first half. Even when he didn't know if they were going to come through, Frosty wore the jersey. He knew the names of all the players. Nathan couldn't name a single player on that field. Frosty stuck with his team, and he was not going to be swayed in emotion, in the emotion of the moment to sway his allegiance. And, you know, when I think about this story and I look back at this moment, it kind of shows me that there's two types of people in the rugby stadium. There's the Frosties and there's the Nathans. You know, there's the Frosties that go in hardcore and they're like, I'm with my team through and through. Despite what happens, they know who they're standing with. But then there's the Nathans who love to be at the game. They love to experience the atmosphere of the crowd. They love to cheer. They love to be there, but they're not willing to fully commit to any team. You know, when I think about this as well, it reminds me that there's actually two types of Christians. There's the Christians that know the God they stand with despite what happens in their life, despite what others think about their faith. And then there's the other group of Christians who are just very easily swayed by whatever crowd they're with in the moment. And they're easily swayed by the emotions not knowing how to fully commit to their faith. You know, today I wanna talk to you about what it means to publicly declare your faith as a believer. I wanna talk about what it means to stand with God in every season. I wanna talk about what it means to die to your old self, to the old ways of living, and be committed to a new you created in Christ. Let's talk about baptism. This is a message that I love to share, and it's a message called, I Have Decided. I made a T-shirt for it, that everybody gets when they get baptized here at Elam. (laughs) But let's pray before we get into, does that sound good? God, we just thank you so much that you are a good God and you are here now with us. And so God, I pray that you would open hearts and minds to hear what it is that you have to say. God, I pray that you would enlighten us today and that you would show us what it means to publicly declare our faith in you, to be unashamedly for you in every season. God, would you speak because your people are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, I want us to first go to the book of Luke, chapter 22. If you got a Bible, turn there with me now, but it's also going to be up on the screen. And I'm starting in verse 54. It says, Then they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Peter was one of his core disciples. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, "Hmm, this man was also with Jesus. And Peter replies, woman, I do not know him. And so a little while later, somebody else sees Peter and said, you, you're one of those disciples. You're one of them. And he goes, man, I am not. And then a little bit later, after an interval of about an hour still, another insists on saying, saying, mm, certainly this guy is one of them because he too was a Galilean. And Peter denies him a third time saying, man, would you just shut up? I do not know what you're talking about. So three times he denies having ever stood with Jesus. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, You will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is a bad day for Peter, y'all. This is a bad day because Peter is one of the 12. He's one of Jesus's boys. He's part of the, the crew that followed him for years. They were with him for years. And he just sat at the table for the last supper with Jesus. And while he was at this table, he said something pretty bold. He said, Jesus, I'm willing to go to prison with you and even to death And you know what happened in that moment? Jesus didn't go, oh, Peter, thank you so much, bro. Like, I'm glad you're standing with me till the end because Jesus knew what was actually happening. And Jesus instead said, actually, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster even crows. Now picture that. Peter, who has been so devoted to Jesus for years, declares with his mouth, God, I am with you. I'm going to stand with you no matter who's against you, no matter if you go to prison, no matter if you die, I am with you. He declares that, and Jesus says, no, you're not. You're going to deny me. I know you will. Like, that would be so gutting for Peter. And then that's what exactly Happened. And that's why Peter goes out to weep bitterly because the moment Jesus was arrested, Peter didn't know where to stand all of a sudden. That Christian jersey he was wearing, he all of a sudden took it off and tried to blend in with the crowd. And we often will look at this story, and if we're honest, when we read this story, we go, Peter, how could you? Like, you were with him, you were one of the disciples, you actually walked with him in the flesh. How could you deny him, right? Like, we have those honest thoughts. But then if we really think about it, how often do we behave like Peter did? How often do we behave like Peter did on this very day? Look, I know I crumbled all throughout my late teens and my early 20s. And I crumbled time and time again just like Peter. See, people would see me behave in a certain way at uni. And a number of people said to me at times, but Darcy, aren't you you a Christian? And I just crumbled underneath the pressure of it. I didn't know how to respond in the same way Peter did. And I took off that Christian jersey, and I so easily got lost in the crowd. You know, it's one thing to say you're a Christian, to say that you will stand with Jesus no matter what, but it's another thing to actually live that out publicly. And in the same way we think, Peter, how could you? When I look back at my uni years, I go, Darcy, how could you? You know, the thing is, and this really breaks my heart, but we gotta talk about it today because there's still a lot of Peters in the church. There's still a lot of people that will put on the Christian jersey on a Sunday or when they're at small group and their heart is good, their intentions are right, but the minute they get into the wrong crowd, all of a sudden they take that Christian jersey off and they start to blend in with the emotions of the moment. You know, it's one thing to say you're a believer, but it is another thing to show that publicly. You know, it's one thing to say you're married, But it's another thing to show that publicly, right? You know, if you hear that somebody's married, what's the first thing you look for? The ring, right? You look for the ring and all the single people know if you've ever been like wondering if somebody's available, you check that left hand before you decide if you're keen or not. People look for the ring. And think about it, if anybody's been engaged before, what's it all about? The Instagram or Facebook post of the ring, right? It's like first about the girl saying yes, like yes. But then, then it's about the ring, right? How many posts have y'all seen where she's like, I said yes, I said yes, <laughs> I said yes to forever. How many poses can I do? I said yes to forever. You know, we want people to know. I said yes to forever with my earthly husband, right? But ha- imagine how excited if we were to get so excited about telling the world that we said yes to Jesus, right? We freak out when we say yes to our, our, the love of our life in this earthly world. But why don't we freak out in the same way when we say yes to eternity, when we say yes to salvation? You know, a month after Frosty and I got married, we were getting ready for our night service over at the Botany campus. And um, I was hanging out in the foyer. And we have four services at Botany, so we've been there the whole day. And I was hanging out in the foyer before the service, and Pastor Boyd comes up to me just giggling as he does. He's kind of a jokester, kind of a prankster. He is now the lead pastor of Elam Wellington. And he goes, Frosty lost his wedding ring, ha-ha. And I'm like, ha no he didn't. Like, I'm just thinking Boyd's playing a prank on me right now. And then I realize Frosty's frantically running around in the background trying to find this ring that he lost after a month of wearing it. See, what had happened was... <laughs> We had been there the whole day and before this fourth service he decides to go into the men's restroom to fix his hair make it look all good and fresh for the fourth service and he decides he'd take off his white gold wedding band i so lovingly picked out for him and he placed it on the kitchen sink because he didn't want to get hair product on it and he does his hair he leaves the restroom 15 minutes later he realizes oh yeah my ring runs back into the restroom it's gone service hasn't even started yet Frosty goes around, he asks every single person on site to see if anybody accidentally took this ring, and to this day, we still don't have that ring. We reckon some kid took it and was too scared to tell their parents, but I tell you that story to ask you this question. For the next five months, Frosty didn't wear a wedding ring because we had to save for a new one, y'all. They were expensive, and so for those five months, was he no longer married to me? Of course not. He said his I do's and signed his life away to me. (laughs) On the 19th of March, 2015, coming up on six years, (laughs) y'all. He had already made that commitment, and the ring was simply a symbol of that commitment. It was a physical symbol of the commitment he had already made in his heart on that day. He was still married to me with or without the ring. But church, you need to know this, that Baptism, it's like the wedding ring to your salvation. It is putting the ring on your relationship with God to get baptized is to publicly declare the, to the world who you're committed to. Your baptism is the physical representation of a spiritual commitment you made at the moment of your salvation. And with or without baptism, your salvation still stands. You need to know that with or without it, your salvation still stands. But just like Frosty wanted me to wear a wedding ring when we were engaged so that the world would know I was his and I want him to never take his ring off again so that the world knows he is mine. Don't you think God wants the world to know who you belong to? Don't you think God wants you to show the world who you're committed to? Because when you get baptized, you are putting the ring on your relationship with God, and you're saying to the world, I belong to Jesus. But did God still love me, even when I was a screw up? Even when I messed up time and time again in uni? Yeah, he loved me so much. And he still had incredible plans for me. He still wanted a relationship with me. He still knew that one day I would make it right. And one day I would come before him and devote my life's work to him. And did he still love Peter? Even though he denied him three times? Yeah, he did and he still was gonna use Peter in the future. I love in Acts chapter two, I'm starting in verse 14, where it says, then Peter stood up with the 11. I love this because earlier we read a story about Peter sitting down, And blending in, trying to blend in with the crowd and not make a scene of his faith. But now, now he's got some courage and some boldness and he stands up with the other 11 disciples. And it says, he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. See, God still used Peter to preach. And he's about to preach to this group of people. And he says, fellow Israelites, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, they said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent, which means turn from your sinful ways and turn fully towards God. Walk away from that. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And I love this, verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about three thousand were added to their number that day this was the start of the early church y'all but nowadays we overthink certain things all the time we overthink things and I personally think too many Christians overthink baptism in Peter's day these new believers they asked an honest question they said I believe this message I'm following Jesus now brothers what shall we do what is next and Peter said to them repent and be baptized and they did. They they repented and they were baptized. But now, if you guys were to ask me the same question, here's what a lot of Christians say. Well, they say, Oh, okay, just let me think about it. Like, I just want to pray about it. You know, I just don't know if it's like the right moment for me or not. Like, I just need to wait on the right moment. Like, yeah, I'm a believer and I'm following Jesus, but I just don't know. I, I'm gonna pray about it. You know, if you've ever had those thoughts before. And you've ever said, yeah, yeah, I just need to pray about and ask God if I should be baptized. Let's just have that prayer together right now, okay? We're going to have a corporate group prayer, and we're going to ask God what, what he thinks. Because people would go to God, and they'd say, God, should I be baptized? And God will say, well, do you love me? Well, yeah, God, I love you. And do you confess that I am the Lord and Savior of your life? Yeah, God, of course. And do you plan to keep me as the Lord and Savior of your life? Well," Yeah, God, what kind of question is that? And he goes, well, okay, repent and be baptized. Okay, God, but just waiting on the right moment. The, the right moment. Yeah, yeah, you know that moment when I get all those feelings and like the warm fuzzies and then the lights just hit me right and I hear your voice just boom down from heaven saying, Darcy, you are now good enough to be baptized. I'm waiting on that moment, God. And God goes, I love you. You're enough. Would you just commit and let me work on the rest? But then we come in with, but God, because we always do, right? But God, what if I mess up again after I get baptized? You probably will. You probably will because we all have a sinful nature. And here's the thing. Baptism waters will not make you perfect metaphorically and symbolically, you are washed of your old life and you raise up as a new creation, made new in his image. However, when you get baptized, you're saying, I might not have it all figured out, but I'm declaring to the world, I am standing with the one who does. I am standing with the one who was righteous, the one who was holy, and I'm committed to becoming more like him every single day. That's what baptism is. It's saying, I am unashamed about my faith. I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. You know, this isn't just my personal opinion or the opinion of Elam. This is actually backed up all throughout scripture. And I'll show you in Mark chapter one, verse nine, it says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. So if you're taking notes, write this down. We get baptized to follow the example set by Jesus himself. And Jesus was perfect. He was flawless, lived a sinless life. So if you're saying that you don't need to get baptized, you're like good enough for that. Are you saying you're better than Jesus? Because he did it. Jesus showed the way. He showed us what he wanted us to do. We follow his example, but then he also commanded it. In Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he modeled the way for us and showed us what to do. But then he told us what to do. See, we get baptized because Jesus commanded it. He asked us to do it, and we know that when we are following his plans for us, when we follow his instructions for us, it shows the world that we truly are believers, that we truly believe he is good and has incredible plans for us. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, we, have, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. That's how we know if we truly know God, is if we're willing to obey his commands for us. So we can all now agree that Jesus was baptized, but how was he baptized? Let's ask that question because that's important because different churches will differ on this and different denominations of faith. Sometimes other denominations believe they can baptize just by sprinkling some water on the head. But let me ask you this, baptism, it represents the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you were to bury a dead body, would you just sprinkle some dirt on their face? you would fully immerse that body in the ground, right? You would fully immerse that body in the ground. Baptism represents us dying to our old self. It represents that death and burial and then raising up into new life with Christ. And, the, and bapti- to, baptism is from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse or submerge, to wash or make clean with water or to overwhelm. So Jesus he was fully immersed underneath the water in his baptism because in scripture it says he went into the water and he came up out of the water. And when we are fully immersed underneath the water, we're actually joining with Christ in his death and his burial and we are raising up with him in his resurrection. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So not only does baptism publicly show our commitment to Jesus, but it also symbolically shows us laying down the past life laying down the old mistakes, the old us, those old habits. It's laying that down and saying the old me, she's dead, she's finished and there's a new me that is raising up in new life with Christ. It symbolically represents that. That's why you know those lyrics of that song are so powerful when we sing the resurrected king is resurrecting me. That's actually a beautiful symbol of baptism because of what Jesus did. Now we can go symbolically through the same process and the resurrected king can now resurrect me our baptism represents what he did on the cross for us when he was overwhelmed with the sins of the world and then he died a brutal death and he was buried but on the third day on the third day y'all he rose from that grave he rose into new life and if you look in Scripture all throughout the Bible in the New Testament all of the baptisms were done by immersion And also just to clarify another differing stance between denominations of faith, there are no recorded infant baptisms in the Bible. Some churches believe they can baptize infants through the sprinkling or pouring method, but really that's the parents making the decision. You know, my parents, Presbyterian Church, believed this. Growing up, I was convinced that I was baptized as a baby. Even when I was, first went to Bible college, they say, Darcy, have you been baptized? I go, yeah, as a baby. And I had to lay down my pride to fully understand what baptism was. I had to ask some questions and look at baptism in scripture, and that's why this message is so powerful and so important to me, because this was a revelation I had, because that was not my baptism. Why? Because it wasn't my decision. My parents, they decided to commit me to God. And that's why here at Elam, we will call those child dedications because it's a parent making a decision to dedicate their child to God. Some others call it a christening, but it wasn't my baptism because it wasn't my decision. Like there is no possible way I could have understood who Jesus was and what he did for me through through dying and resurrecting again as a little baby. Like I could have been a smart baby, but never that smart, right? There's no way I could have known. And when a kid grows up, we allow that kid, once they fully understand it, to make that decision for themselves. Keys can come join me now as I come to a close. I just want to address a few of the common questions we hear often. You know, the first one is, if I was baptized as a baby, I don't need to do it again, right? Short answer is, that wasn't your baptism if it wasn't your decision. Then people ask, well, do I need to get my life sorted out first? Like, I just need to wait for the right moment when things in my life are all good. Well, do you make yourself clean before you take a shower? Or does the shower actually help you get clean, right? Oftentimes we think, oh, I need to be perfect before I can publicly declare my faith. Well, honey, you will never be perfect. So you will be waiting a whole long time. You know, baptism, it won't make you perfect. And God recognizes that you've got sin in your life. And that's why he first says, repent. He says, repent, confess those sins, turn away from it, and then be baptized and publicly declare your faith. Let me work on the rest. Let me sort out the rest for you and you will become more and more like me every single day. Then people say, well, why do I have to do it in church in front of a whole lot of people? Well, here's the thing, you don't have to do it in front of, in in church You could do it anywhere. Like I got baptized in the ocean, but that did not make it any more significant. It didn't. But also why not do it in church where there's a church family that could cheer you on and celebrate with you as you publicly declare your faith as a believer? Why not? It's a public declaration, so it actually makes a whole lot of sense to do it publicly. It makes sense. And there's a church family here that would love to celebrate you And when you do it in front of people, your faith inspires the faith of those around you. You might say, well, but I want to wait until all of my family can be here. That's cool. But you might be waiting a really long time because if I had waited till all of my family was here for my baptism, I would still be waiting. The reality is we are a church filled with immigrants. We're a church with families that are all across the country and even in other countries and especially in a, a pandemic You can't wait for everybody to be here. But here's the beautiful thing is a church family is here that will stand with you, that will pray with you, that will celebrate you. And plus, we always take photos and videos that then you can send to family. You can live stream people in. But this last question is really important. See, some people say, well, Darcy, I've been a Christian for years, decades even. And everybody knows I'm a Christian, so I don't really need to get baptized, do I? Well, let me tell you this. The reason I wear a wedding ring is not because it's shiny and pretty, that's a bonus. It's not because it's tradition to wear a wedding ring, but it's because when I wear this, it honors and respects the relationship I have with Frosty. It honors and respects him and my commitment to him. And so it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for years, if you were to decide to put the ring on your relationship, You'd actually be deciding to honor and respect the relationship you have with God. It's putting the ring on your relationship, no matter how long you've been a believer. And when you do, I can tell you this, it will please God. Because when we obey his commands, it pleases him. And he honors us when we honor him. In just a moment, I'm about to finish. I'm gonna give people an opportunity to make this decision for themselves, an opportunity for those that have never publicly declared their faith through the waters of baptism, people that maybe thought they were baptized as babies, but now realize that was a dedication from their parents and are now willing to make that decision for themselves. Or maybe it's people that have been Christians for years and you just haven't known when the right moment was and so you kept pushing it off. This could be your moment because in three weeks time, on the 21st of February, we are having a baptism Sunday, and I'm so excited. Our team is praying into this day, and it's going to be so special. And we, get, we baptize people just here in the cafe in this inflatable spa pool. And I want to give you a moment to say, yeah, Darcy, count me in. I want to publicly declare my faith. But before I give you that opportunity, let me just tell you about a man named Stephen. Stephen was a man in the Bible who was described as being full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And this was a man who was appointed by the 12 disciples as a servant of God who would help deliver food to the poor and to the needy. And one day he got in a debate with some men. And in Acts chapter 6 verse 10 it says they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And because they couldn't stand up to him, they got angry And they got mad and they started to make up lies and false accusations about him because they couldn't find any error in his argument. So they just twisted it and made up lies about him and they dragged him before the high council. And then the crowd got even more angry because he continued to speak with the wisdom and the conviction that the Holy Spirit gave him. And when they couldn't silence him, they decided they would stone him. And they'd shut him up. And so in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, he told those men who were about to stone him, he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and I see the Son of Man standing at the place of honor at God's right hand you know all throughout scripture it says that Jesus sat at the right hand of God but in this moment he stood why I think he stood because he loved Stephen I think he stood because he loved the way that Stephen was willing to speak and act out of conviction of the Holy Spirit. I think Jesus stood for this man who was willing to stand up and be stoned for his beliefs because God honors us when we honor him. He honors us and he stands up for us when we're willing to unashamedly stand up for him. So church, I'm about to ask you if you wanna stand up for your faith today. If you want to publicly declare your faith as a believer. And the reason I'm actually gonna ask people to physically stand is because this is a public declaration. We aren't gonna close our eyes, not gonna bow our heads right now because this is a moment where you can have that same conviction like Stephen did. And you can say, God, I might have messed up in the past, I might have denied you in the past, but I am here standing with you now and I don't care what other people think about my faith. It doesn't matter what season I'm walking through, God, I'm standing with you. So if you wanna get baptized and stand up for Jesus, then I want you to stand right now. Awesome. God sees you and God is honoring you right now. God sees you and God is honoring you right now. When you have the courage, young people, to stand up for God. And I love, amazing, God sees you. God sees you. I love that it's young people standing up. Our older people, y'all need to look at this to see young people that are saying, I love Jesus. Is there anybody else that wants to stand with these four? because this is your moment. You have so much courage and bravery to stand in this moment. And you need to know that when you choose to honor God with your life, God will always be there to honor you and to walk with you. And he's gonna give you the strength and the resolve and the audacity and the boldness that you need to continue walking this journey out. And church, would you stretch out your hands to these young people as I pray over them. God, I thank you so much for the courage that is currently displayed in this room. God, I pray that you would surround them with your protection, that you would fill them with your glory, with your strength, fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. I pray that you would prepare them for this moment where they're gonna publicly declare their faith and go through the waters of baptism, laying down their old life and rising up into new life with you. God, we thank you for the faith of our young people. Let it inspire generation after generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we please celebrate with them as they take a seat?